We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? All right, welcome to another episode of the John Wolford Radio Show. Uh, on, on John Wolford Radio, this is this is Steve Rivero. Uh, with Johnny Gomez, Johnny, uh, I, you know, I, I pulled up the, the sheet to kind of take some notes on for today's pod as I was watching, I was rewatching the game, uh, before the pod. And I realized that I literally had not updated the show document in two weeks because I think after, after each of the last two games, I was like, we're just coming on, talking some shit, venting, getting out of there, but we got a win. We made the playoffs which is it's pretty disgusting that like this is a it was a possibility that they weren't gonna but hey we're here on the back of the great John Wolford how you feeling man you know it it was interesting it was such a different kind of game and you got to feel bad for the Arizona Cardinals as well because they can't seem to beat Sean McVay which I'm happy about it hmm I I too am very very happy about it. Yeah, he's he's what eight and zero against them now. Yep. Wild. Wild. Um. Yeah. So, really, like, I mean, let's just jump right into it, man. We we can talk about the game. It's the game conversation starts and ends, I think, with with John Wolford and I, I guess Jared Goff after this game. I mean, to me, this was. easily the most entertained I've been by the Rams offense, maybe all season. Uh, We we finally had some, like uh, an injection of life with a new quarterback, which which is shitty to say, but uh, for, for us to get so like amped up about a guy who like, but what, what a weird career he's had. He, he didn't get drafted. He wasn't on a team in 2018. He actually worked, like a normal job, uh, as if you watch the game, they talked about plenty. Then skyrockets in the AAF, gets on the Rams, gets in the practice squad, eventually gets on the roster, becomes a backup quarterback, and here he is, first game ever. And and what a what a ridiculous game it was. He caught his first pass is one of the worst throws made by a Rams quarterback this year, and that includes some of the the absolute stinkers that Jared Goff has had. Uh, he throws a pick immediately. It was a horrible pass, a horrible decision, just horrible in every aspect. That like, you can't look at that play and see what like he was going for, like to think that there was any chance it was going to work. But he does bounce back after that play. Finishes the day, twenty-two for thirty-eight, two hundred thirty-one yards, no touchdowns, interception, uh, sacked twice, and added fifty-six yards on the ground. I mean, it's not an eye-popping box score, and anyone who watched the game like. 
you can't sit here and sit and like honestly act like this guy is the future of the franchise. Uh, as much as there was a lot of things to like, like you'd be insane to say that there wasn't that level of things, but like clearly there's something there. You know, he he invigorated the offense, and even though they only scored nine points on offense, which we will get to later, it, it felt like there was like a, a flash of life coming from this offense for the first time in, in in three weeks, maybe. I mean, there was some against the Jets and Seahawks, but I don't know. It just it felt different, and I mean that. Well, we'll we'll hit all the Wolford topics here, but at the very least, this guy is an NFL quarterback. Whether he's a starter, uh, probably remains to be seen. But in, he he belongs in the league, and that was a question we've had. I mean, I've had all year. I've I've stressed the importance of backup quarterbacks for years, and a guy as unproven as John Wolford, it's it's awesome to see that he actually worked out. And won us a game, and it ended a two games, two game losing streak. Yeah, that um, pretty much everything you're saying about Wolford, you know, uh, he basically not only reinvigorated the offense, but he actually utilized the offense to its potential, and not to uh, get carried away here because it's not like he had this tremendous game or anything. But it felt like for the first time this year that the Rams offense actually clicked like there was some sort of life form in there. It wasn't by any perfect, but it was interesting because you had this guy that wasn't afraid to throw uh, mid to, you know, deep passes. And that's kind of something we hadn't seen from Goff really. And while they weren't, accurate all the time they were at least close with Goff that was kind of the frustration was he didn't do it often and when he did he was nowhere close most more times than not so for for Wolford this is why the Rams offense had some success it was because there was actually a threat defense uh, um you know there was actually a threat for the opposing defense you have uh, of course wolford uh in his passing abilities so now they actually realize oh you know we we actually gotta cover you know and cover deep as well um that's that's something that you really didn't have to worry about with golf primarily you just had to worry about the short passes which as we are very well aware of that gets old and defenses know how to how to um, cover that. And then on top of that, a new dimension that we already knew what we had in Goff in terms of ground game. You know, Wolford is a mobile quarterback, and that's just another threat that the defenses had to stay on their toes with. So that aspect got into the game and was a raging success. Um, and even at that point, you felt more comfortable to run the ball more. Wasn't that successful, but we'll get to that later. But at least, you know, you felt more comfortable to run the ball. They they didn't run the ball, and the defense was right there waiting for acres. You know, it, it was exactly how the offense should function. And we we just took a glimpse as to why the play calling was so horrid in really the past year. It's because really there was a lot of things that was being held back and golf was a major part of that. I hate to say it in that way, but the writing's kind of on the wall there. Um, Steve, am I overreacting? No, no, I don't think so. And even if, even if they don't decide Wolford is the guy, like they will if Jared Goff's on the team next year, there will be competition. I mean, it would be insane if there wasn't. And Wolford has proven enough that he should be competition. And if Goff gets healthy enough to to play next week, which we'll touch on uh, in a little bit, he should have a tight leash because they, I mean, it's one game, but he, he proved enough that he's capable of winning games with this team. And, and granted, so is Jared Goff. He won nine games. But, I mean, 
Yeah, the the running the importance of the the mobility of Wolford, which I think was the thing that you know everyone was probably most excited for to to see what Sean McVay would do with a quarterback that could move was was awesome. Uh, it was as it was certainly as advertised in, in that regard. And he only ran it six times for fifty six yards, but they they were big runs. He had uh, the third and five where they called the design run for him, uh, and the third and eight to kind of ice out the game there. Where where he it's and I I watched this game and then the Seattle game from last week back to back and in the Seattle game a lot of people remember late in the game when Jared Goff slid uh, short of the first down and they didn't get in they had to punt Wolford just runs two people over and and gets enough for the first down I mean we're not talking about Tim Tebow here like he's not a huge dude like he went short. Shoulder first, it's not the, the smartest play you can make, but at that point in the game, at this point in the season, hell yeah, man, make that fucking play. You you love to see it. It's what what he added in that dimension was huge. And and if he gets the nod against Seattle, they were daring Jared Goff to run in that game. Jared Goff actually ran the ball more against Seattle last week than John Wolford ran against Arizona this week. So I mean that that is going to be there, and like you're you're right, and it says a lot about Goff in the fact that McVay really did open things up in this game. Wolford was thrown deep; he hit some of those deep balls. He came close on a couple others. Uh, there was there was the one where uh, it came real close to Van Jefferson pretty early in the game, but yeah, man, he, he we it seemed like we were throwing the ball deep more in this game than any other single game uh that that I could remember this season and it, it didn't work every time but he he came close a lot and he, and he did hit a couple uh he nailed Woods on a nice deep ball he he hit Cam Akers on that wheel route which they tried the week before and did not succeed in uh I'm sorry that was against the Jets I I have erased that game from my memory completely so I forgot to mention it <laughs> but but yeah man I I I it's we we will have a bigger discussion in the offseason about what the future holds for Jared Goff. But, I mean, you going into next week, like, I don't really feel strongly about, like, like if Goff is 100%, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, well, we have a much better chance of winning. Do we have a better chance of winning with a 100% healthy Jared Goff than John Wolford? Maybe. But the fact that that's a maybe is is a pretty crazy thing. No, absolutely. It's it's interesting because with, with uh, Wolford, he I, I felt like with him he he felt like he was getting into a rhythm, whereas with with Jared Goff that was kind of his issue was it, it didn't seem like he was developing that same rhythm that we've seen in like 2018. He, you know, in, even in 2018, he had his struggles, but you could see him bounce back and it looked like he was hungry to make plays. This year, it kind of seemed like he was kind of going through the motions and not exactly didn't have that drive. And I'm hoping maybe the success of Wolford will drive Goff to becoming that better quarterback because we've all seen off when he succeeds he's a much better quarterback than what we've seen this year this year I don't know who it is I, I think it's Jared Goof again but it's it's not a temporary goof it's it's been like goof all year long that's what we don't want so I'm hoping Wolford just kind of jump drives that because while I I love Wolford as a backup quarterback I don't think he's a starter per se but you know, if he can, if he can manage the offense to become like a much better offense than we've seen all year, I'm all for using uh, Wolford in in the Seahawk game. Uh, again, this has to more to do with whether or not Jared Goff is healthy or not. Um, you know, to bounce back from a thumb injury, this is a thumb injury on your throwing hand. That that's not going to be an easy thing to do. He's going to have to grip the ball comfortably, and it's going to have to depend on whether or not uh, Sean McVay is going to be ready to use uh, Goff in this situation if he feels he's healthy enough or not. Yeah, and and I mean it, it could 
like it's obviously a little different with with what happened to Kyler Murray this week. But if if you trot Goff out there and first drive he, he doesn't look right, you got to pull him. I think uh, you have to have a tight leash in a must win game, and especially when you're coming off a win from your backup quarterback where he played fairly well. Uh, let's let's revisit that later though when we when we start talking about the Seahawks game. I do want to talk about uh, the rest, like the offense as a whole. And and uh, watching this game twice, I will say that. I'm still impressed with how Wolford played the second time around, even after like the honeymoon phase. Uh, there were there were some misses, yeah, but overall, there was a lot of promise there for a guy who was literally playing his first NFL game ever, and he he played in the preseason in 2019. We didn't have a preseason game this year, so this is his first real in-game action, um, a of his career in the regular season, but b since August 2019. And that and that's like all he's ever had. He had the AF too, but that's that's not even that's not even day talent wise. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to January 2021 from an expanded NFL playoffs in the BCS National Championship game to the return of the NBA and the NHL. This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. I always tell people to head over to my bookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. I don't use my bookie because some corporate overlord told me to use them. I use them because they're the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's right, 1000 bucks when you sign up. And they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. If this excites you, Sign up is even easier. Go to my bookie, sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. In 2021, you're going to want to bet with the best. That's why you should head over to my bookie and bet with them. The offense as a whole, okay, they ran the ball a lot. Cam Akers was averaging 1.6 yards a carry. Now, in his defense, he, he did play a, a, a pretty good game as far as a pass catcher. And you had to mention that fumble on the, the goal line, which was probably should have been called forward progress, but either way, you got to hold on to that rock. You got to hold on to that thing. But the one thing, and in every, I'm sure other podcasts have talked about this. I know uh, Derek and Mike did on their show this week. The red zone offense is just disgusting. Like it, it is gross. I, I will try and pull up a, uh, the red zone numbers here in a minute, see how they compare to other teams. But Johnny, the Rams haven't scored a touchdown since the Jets game on offense. Like <laughs> that's brutal. That's two weeks. They scored a touchdown in this game. It was Troy Hill getting a pick six, like in, in short yardage situations, uh, whether it's a goal line or even like there were some, some second and short third and shorts in this game that they just didn't get it done running the ball. Like, I don't know what it is. And when you have a mobile quarterback too, there should be more you can do in the red zone, like in this week, but they, they just cannot score touchdowns. And this week they turned over in the red zone last week, Jared Goff, if it wasn't in the red zone, I don't think it was in the red zone, but it was right there when he threw that insane interception. This is a huge problem. Uh, this this is a major reason why the offense isn't scoring a lot of points this year. It is a a problem that has like I'm sure some longtime Rams fans like us will be getting PTSD from back in the day where we could literally just never score touchdowns and we only kicked field goals. And now, thank God, we have a a field goal kicker because the problem is back. And they they just they can't get it done in the 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 red zone. I don't know what it is. They don't have a I guess like power goal line back, like a guy who has a nose for the red zone. Like Todd Gurley wasn't a power back by any means, but he could score. And even this year, he 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 finds his way into the end zone when he's in the the red zone. I mean, credit to him; that was one of his best skills. They don't have a receiver or or even a tight end that you could toss up a fade and they could go get you a touchdown. Like like guys like I mean, peak Jimmy Graham is an obvious example that comes to to mind in that. I mean, even DK Metcalf on that we're going to be playing against this week. And when you don't have those weapons and you don't have a quarterback who could power it in, I would have liked to see them try that more than once with Wolford, uh, who, who, I mean, he took a big shot on that one time he tried to run it in. And that's probably a big reason why they didn't try it again. But it, it is, it is rough. 
it is like embarrassing to watch. I mean, even in this game, they they got two false starts on one of their red zone atta- red zone drives. Uh, they had that drive where I think they had first and goal from like the two or the at least two. They don't score in three plays. They get a penalty. Get another three plays. Still don't score. Have to get a field goal. It's a problem, and I don't know if anyone really feels like this team has Super Bowl aspirations right now. Now we're in the playoffs. Anything can happen, but it, it, it's grow. It it's really, really frustrating. Uh, from an already frustrating offense that when they're in this area, it's just like it doesn't feel like they have a chance of scoring. Yeah, you know, the uh, the biggest issue there is is uh, I, I know it's going to sound like a huge excuse, but the, the biggest thing is not having Andrew Whitworth. You know, I, I really, truly believe that Whitworth makes all the difference here. And that's still not an excuse to not get in the end zone, but it makes a big difference. So the other issue I had with the, uh, particularly with the fumble, not that it happened because truly I, I believe that, that the forward progress should have been enough to get the touchdown. But the reason why I was kind of upset about that fumble was because why aren't we still using Malcolm Brown? He, wasn't used in that situation. I felt like while I love Cam Akers, I think he's going to be a solid running back in the future. They they did he's give they did give a Brown a, a, a goal line carrier too. I think it was after that happened, um, but he he didn't get it done either. No, I I, I get it, but um, if I recall correctly, they weren't exactly at the the goal goal line. You know, they were in the um, they were in like the first first and goal situation, I believe, uh, like maybe three or four yards back. And um, with the Cam Akers situation, he was right there. You know, um, that's where I feel like you should use Malcolm Brown a little bit more. Um, but still, even even with three or four yards out, Malcolm Brown should be able to make that touchdown. It's just the offensive line isn't clicking there. And as far as the false starts go in terms of uh, I, I think that's more or less, you know, the um, just having a new quarterback in, uh, you know, as your new commanding uh, player there. I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons, because it, it's not it's not a simple plug and play uh, player. You know, the quarterback is your commander of your offense. And there's probably going to be mistakes both by Wolford and by the offensive line, just not understanding. And on top of that, this offense, as we mentioned earlier, is different than the offense that we've been running all year. So there's bound to be mistakes. Um, So even the false starts, I, as much as it irritates us to see, especially because out of everything, I feel like the offense have been really well disciplined because they were one of the least penalized teams in the league for a while. Um, so I, I don't worry too much about the false starts. It's annoying, but it's it's going to happen with a new quarterback in there. Um, as long as we don't get back into you know the two thousands or like the late two thousand Rams. Uh, Gosh, so many to name, like uh, the Alex Barons and the Jason. Uh, you know what? Let's not go down that road. Save it for the off season. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's understandable. I can live with that. It's the it's just trying to get the ball into the end zone. The uh, I feel like play calling could be a lot better there. And I think one of the reasons why they didn't have Wolford uh, run it in is exactly as you mentioned, Steve, that they just kind of wanted to make sure he was healthy. You know, they already down Jared Goff. They didn't want to have to throw in like Bryce Perkins in there, you know? Yeah, I suppose they didn't want. Yeah, they didn't want to see Blake Bortles this year. <laughs> um, 
just just to correct myself, I was it was last week that they gave Malcolm Brown the carry at the one, and he didn't get it in. I had my games mixed up. I watched them both just now. <laughs> but yep. yeah, I I think he is the superior goal line back, but I don't I don't feel great about either of them in that position. And I I was able to pull up the the red zone stats for us. So on the year, the Rams have scored a touchdown in the red zone. 57.9% of the time, but in the last three weeks, and that's good for 19th in the NFL. In the last three weeks, they've scored the ball in the red zone, touchdowns, 22% of the time, which is Yikes. last. Below the Giants, below the Panthers, below the Raiders. The, the Giants are the only other team under 30%. So that is terrible. They are one of two teams that didn't score a touchdown in the red zone last week, along with the Bengals. Um, so Sean McVay coaching three, Sean McVay coaching tree really uh, put it in. And and to put the, the 57.9 in perspective, the worst two teams in the NFL in the red zone this year, touchdown-wise, Giants at 46%, Jets at 42%. The best teams in the NFL, Green Bay at 20%, or sorry, 80%. Tennessee, 75%. Cleveland, 73.6%. Seattle, who we're playing, 73.2%. And, I mean, that was one thing that stood out watching uh, the the game from last week, too, is that they scored when they're in the red zone. They got there, and the uh, first time Russell Wilson just scrambled it right in. So, we'll see. I mean, de- defense in this game, they, they're back. They were legit. They were playing against an awful quarterback on the Arizona side, but still nothing to complain about. The Trey Hill touchdown was fucking awesome. Uh, that really won us the game. Asia Robinson making a huge impact, blocking a kick, uh, drawing the safety. It was a great game. I, I feel as good as I can about this defense going into the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I know they didn't have the best game against, well, really the past two weeks, they didn't have the greatest of games, but they weren't that, bad so i wasn't i wasn't too worried about that um i i had concerns after the jets game i think they were more or less really really good for the majority of that seattle game uh but they gave up too many points against jets they should have given up six points tops and i think without the turnovers they gave up 17 yeah the uh the turnovers did have a lot to do with that well um but all things considered, I, I I am very hyped about this defense. I think the defense is very hyped about themselves. So, um, you know, this is a very familiar opponent going into the playoffs. So I, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, guys like Jalen Ramsey are, are excited to be matched up against, you know, probably one of the best, if not the best, receiving cores in, in uh, all of football. You know, DK Metcalf is no joke. Neither is Tyler Lockett. You know, that that entire receiving core is pretty stellar. And then, of course, you have Russell Wilson delivering the ball. So, you know, this this is a really good offense. And um, when you really think about it, the Rams have been able to contain the offense because, um, if I'm not mistaken, they uh, gave up 20 points, right? Yep. The nine, last game against- nine, nine to 20 against Seattle last week. Yeah. So uh with 20 points, you you have to figure even though that's not as good as what happened earlier in the season, that's still not bad, you know, because this is this is a top-tier offense. You know, this is not this isn't Arizona. You know, th- this is a, a a really good offense and I'm not even I haven't even mentioned anything about their ground game who's suddenly becoming healthy again. So all, all I'm saying is defensively, definitely not concerned. Offense will still remain the concern, although a little bit more, uh, you know, considering if they keep in John Wolford there, I'm a little bit more intrigued and a little bit uh, more excited about the offense than I would be with golf. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, let, let, let's take a quick break and then let's, yeah, let's talk about that quarterback conundrum. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you, just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch, or on an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. And check out the distribution box. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, Johnny. So, yeah, I mean, we, let, let's get to the Seattle game. I, I, I rewatched the, the game just now to see how I felt about Jared Goff's performance. And, I mean, it was not great. He did make some plays. I, I think he was a little bit better than I remembered in that game, but... There's a lot of misses. The interception was so bad. It it was maybe worse than the one Wolford had this week. The fact that it's debatable says says how bad it was. And I, just, I don't know, man. They, he he had so many opportunities to run in this game, and he took them all. But just it, the difference between him and Wolford is night and day. And like it, it, it was a winnable football game. If the offense was a little more polished, and they didn't have Cam Akers, who's back now, uh, they didn't have Andrew Whitworth, who we might get back this week, but they did have Jared Goff, and they did have Cooper Cup, and without those two guys this week, I would say the offense looked a little better. I'm not saying that's because Cooper Cup was out by any means, but I am saying that it was because John Wolford was the guy back there under center. So when you go into this game, like making this a net quarterback from, from what I've read this week, uh, we did wait as late as we could to do this podcast to to have as much information as we, we could have. It seems like there's a chance Jared Goff can play yesterday. It was reported that it was a long shot, but he is taking snaps in practice. Uh, Sean McVay is not commenting on the situation, which tells me at least that it's, it's pretty fluid. Maybe he's trying to keep the Seahawks on their toes, but uh, I don't know if, if Goff was not going to play. I think he'd say that. And if Goff was 100% going to play, I feel like he would still say that. So it's tough in, like, Goff's probably going to be on the team next year, given that contract. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I just think, like, if he is the guy you're going to count on, he has to be 100% to play in this game. It's a thumb injury on his throwing hand like you cannot just trot him out there banged up especially when you know that the guy behind him isn't that bad and has stepped up to a big moment last week was you know we didn't know if the bears were going to lose he didn't know that on the field it was essentially a playoff game and he stepped up and got and got it done uh he did a great job uh all things considered so to me it's like if jared goff is not a hundred percent you have to start john wolford you can't trot and injure Jared Goff out there and have him blow the game and have him kind of like ruin ruin his morale and the team's morale about him even further when it's unnecessary, when he's really not ready to be out there. If he's 100%, that's when you consider it. And even then, Johnny, I don't know if I want to see him this week. <laughs> so here's the thing. When when Goff first, you know, injured his thumb and while he showed tremendous toughness by just basically popping in his uh, dislocated thumb that turned out to be broken, um, I, I, I'll give him all the credit in the world. That was ballsy. And uh, that's that's something you want to see in uh, a guy you invested a lot of money in shows that he, you know, had a desire to win the football game. Uh, however, execution was poor, but that's not the point. He tried, which is great, but in reality, it would have been better to just let 
uh, John Wolford play in this game because Goff was more of a liability, you know, um, and, and it it was it was clear that that the thumb was bothering him. It was clear in that game, and had he just, you know, um, stepped out, or, you know, uh, Sean McVay makes the call and says, you know what, thank you for trying to step up, but you have to, we have to give the ball to to Wolford here. That's what should have happened. Uh, unfortunately, things didn't go that way, but regardless, that's what happened. So. Now moving forward, looking to the playoff game, I I think that it, I, there's no way that uh, that Goff's going to be a hundred percent. You know, a, a broken thumb is not something that's going to take. You know, uh, th- that's something that usually will take a couple weeks to fully. Now, I'm no doctor. So maybe, maybe the doctors will fix him up. He's a hundred percent. Throw him out there. I personally would not like him out there, just because I know that Wolford will make. I I don't think Wolford is the better quarterback per se, but I will say that Wolford gives you a better chance to win, just because he has the. He has basically the tools you need to win. You know, he has the the mobility. He has all kinds of things to help you win in terms of, you know, just running your offense more efficiently, more effectively. And you see, golf mobility has never been something that has been paired with golf. And that's fine. It's fine if, you know, your quarterback can actually throw an accurate pass, but he hasn't been able to do that all season long. He hasn't been confident all season long. You have John Wolford out there who is, you know, slinging balls out there. Like he, like he's been doing it, you know, for the entire season, you know, it may not be the most accurate pass you've seen in your life, but Wolford brings this confidence. He brings that swagger. He brings, you know, a chance to win. And that's why I really believe that Wolford is, is the guy for this, this Saturday. Um, I don't think we should give up on golf just yet, but for this, for the rest of this year, I don't know, man. I I think I, I would be more comfortable with Wolford. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think I agree. It's it's tough, but also like the the way Goff ha, had been playing down the stretch, like like it was just such it was such uninspiring football, and, and like we we had been pitching about it for weeks about how how like not great his performances have been, and I know Wolford like he he was not he did not look like peak Michael Vick last week like out there slinging the football, but he he got it done, and I I don't know man that that ability to run the football that he has paired with what we've seen from Jared Goff this year, which has been not much like, yeah, he, he got us some wins and and he was playing okay at times, but we lost games because of him. And like that, that's, you can't afford to have that where he is like the sole reason you lost. We lost that Miami game because he was played horrible. Like there's no other reason we lost that game. And it's, like you don't feel great throwing a guy who started one game against Russell freaking Wilson, but to me, with what we've seen from Jared Goff this year and from what what we know about his injury and long term everything like everything packed together, this team's best chance I think to win a Super Bowl this year is with John Wolford, and that's not saying that he's a better quarterback, but. If he goes out there, continues to improve, uses his skills, like I think there's a better chance that he takes it up a notch and like lifts the team up than there is Goff going out there and playing football because like 
you throw out a guy there that's that experienced over an inexperienced guy because, like, A, you don't think they're going to make mistakes. That's not true with Jared Goff. Uh, B, they're going to, you know, they're proven that they could win. Yeah, I guess that's true with Goff, but at the same time, like, he's blown games this year. It's He doesn't, like, what you get with Jared Goff Right now, it doesn't justify not playing Wolford, especially when you factor in the injury. And that's that's your out. Like that's your out. If you want to play Wolford, you just say, "Yeah, man, we don't feel like the thumb is ready. He just had surgery. He had surgery last fucking week or yeah, last week. Like he didn't have to play. It's a short week. I know it's only a day short, but I, I I'm with you, man. I think you have to play. Like I know you don't have to play Wolford." But unless Jared Goff is 100%, he's feeling no pain in that thumb. He's throwing it exactly how he was before the thumb injury. He shouldn't be a consideration. And even if he is throwing it that well, it should be a consideration. No no doubt about it. I mean, as long as uh, – I mean, this isn't like a Jalen Hurts situation or anything like that. This is – this is truly like uh, a conflicted emotion here because the, the, um, the starting, our starting quarterback in Jared Goff is just not playing well. And while Wolford, we've only really seen one game from the guy. It's very clear that the, the Seahawks would definitely have more to think about and, about with Wolford than they would with Jared Goff. And, and it's like, it's not to say, like, unless Wolford goes out and plays one of the, the best fucking playoff runs ever and leads the Ram to a Super Bowl, like, this is not saying that John Wolford should be the quarterback of the future over Jared Goff. Not at all. Like, you, you're paying Jared Goff. He's proven he could win in the past. Uh, he he might get back to it, but what we've seen this season, it like I know it's one game, but that one game felt more inspiring than any game Goff has played this year. I, he's just been so uninspiring, and I don't really feel like guys are going to be inspired if if he's the quarterback out there. They might be inspired if if John Wolford is the guy, and in a full season, like you tried out Goff for twenty twenty one, he has time to rebuild that trust with the team and become that inspiring quarterback that he was back in 2018. But this week, I don't, I don't really think that's possible, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, go ahead to, to, to really agree that golf is going to give you the best chance to win this football game. (laughs) I, I would even struggle to even say if golf is 100%, like there's absolutely zero pain in his thumb. I I don't know if if you would want to throw him out there. He's just you know, and, and unless he's throwing bombs, like somehow this this thumb injury made him a better passer this year. I right. don't know if that that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I I do think if he is 100% and is feeling no pain and isn't throwing the ball any differently. I, I I feel like they will play him, but I don't know if it's the right decision. The, the game in general, though. I mean, if you if you go back and watch the tape from the Seattle game, it was such a winnable game. Even though we lost nine to twenty, like we were in it pretty much the whole game. Uh, they got a killer killer drive at the end of the game. Seattle. It was really it was really their first big drive of the game. Um, they had they had the other touchdown drive, but. Uh, it, a lot of that came on a, a, a David Moore catch, forty-five yards, where uh, you know you break a big play, it's bound to happen. But the the only real like shove the ball down your throats drive Seattle had in that game was their their last real drive of the game. So it, it's a winnable game. We've played them twice. We beat them once. The point differential is minus two, or uh, two points in favor of Seattle. I guess. I. We're we're expected to have Michael Brockers back. We're expected to have Cooper Cup back. Andrew Whitworth might be back. No matter who's under center, Johnny, I I honestly kind of feel good about this game. I think they're going to be inspired. Uh, Seattle, it, it, they're pretty hot right now, but 
like you look at you look at the teams they beat. I mean, they beat us. So like, there's that, uh, and they beat Washington in their last seven games where they're six and one. They beat two playoff teams and they lost to the Giants. So like, and they barely beat Washington, and they didn't really beat us that bad in a game where we didn't play that well. They're like out, outside of that Jets game, they're not really like housing teams offensively. I don't know, man. They just I don't really fear this team. And I don't think the Rams fear this team. And Derek made a good point at his pod this week. You're going into Seattle. There's no fans. The game's in the middle of the day. It doesn't have that intimidation factor that going into Seattle usually does. I as crazy as to say after the the two weeks that preceded this game. I feel okay, and be. I mean, this is homer as fuck, but I think we're going to win the game. No matter which one of these guys, I don't know. No matter which one of these guys is that quarterback, I don't know. I feel good about this game. And uh, Jamal Adams might not play, and if he doesn't play, I feel really good because that's a guy who could create a turnover. But it's kind of crazy to say. I don't know. We We play Seattle well. I think this is... You know, it's a kind of a dumb thing to say, but this is probably the best opponent we could have gotten in the playoffs besides Washington. Uh, at least as far as the division winner goes, I'd, I'd rather play Seattle than Tampa Bay, I think, even though we beat them too. It, it, I, I feel okay. I can't believe I'm saying it after the last two pods. Yeah, if you were to ask me after the Jets game, I, I don't feel okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel okay at all after the Jets game, but um, no, you're you're absolutely right to have uh, a cautious optimism about this game because this this is a familiar opponent, as we've mentioned multiple times in this podcast. We played Seattle very well. You know, they play us well, too, to their credit. But I, I think that as long as there isn't as many turnovers as the Rams did in the uh, second game against Seattle, I think they'll be fine. Like no matter, no matter the quarterback, I will say this: I'll be a thousand times more confident if Andrew Whitworth is healthy in this game. I, in fact, I I'd be very confident if if Andrew Whitworth is back. Yeah, like as agreed. much as I love Cooper Cup, Michael Brockers. Those guys are very important and vital to the team. But I think both you and I agree that Andrew Whitworth, um, if I'm not mistaken, we we mentioned was the best player on the offense this year or, or in, uh, at the halfway point, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was both of our picks. He was really the only offensive yeah. player that had a shot at a Pro Bowl. If he stayed healthy, he probably would have made it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And he's that vital to this to this team. So if you if he if he comes back, one uh, I, I don't know if he'll be a hundred percent healthy, but if he comes back and he's healthy enough to play, I I think that this will be a a, a really good team moving forward. Uh, I don't know how far we'll get, but I certainly think we can get past Seattle. Yeah, they'll go. They'll go as far as the quarterback play allows them to. Uh, the defense is is going to remain elite. I think they're going to play great in this game. Uh, and, and no matter which one of these guys is that quarterback, uh, they don't turn the ball over, and they're able to make some things happen. And if we could fucking score touchdowns in the red zone, <laughs> like we could definitely beat Seattle. On paper, I don't know. I feel like we're the better team at least this season. Uh, they have two more wins on us, but like. Like they squeaked away from San Francisco this week in a in a close game. I I feel okay, and I'm gonna actually I'm gonna pick the Rams twenty twenty three to twenty. That's gonna be my official prediction on the books. That I I don't I, this team doesn't scare me, especially after watching that game again. It it was a super super winnable game. I'm gonna I'm gonna also agree that the Rams win this game and i i think that they're they're gonna find you know a a pair of spherical objects um and well particularly on the offensive side of the ball 
they're they're going to find two spherical objects that's been missing pretty much all season long and uh they win this game i'm going to say 28 to 17 love it i in speaking of bad quarterbacks russell wilson has really stunk it up the last couple weeks i mean like just not not getting it done so let's hope he doesn't wake up because yeah, he's pretty good. If he wakes up, that that could be trouble. Yeah, let's let's hope he continues to play poorly. Although, like we we've had, even when he was playing well, you know, we kind of gave him fucking hell in that game that we ended up winning. Uh, he played horrible, and he didn't play great in the last game either against us. Oh, and you have Aaron Donald breathing down your neck. You know, I wouldn't play very well either. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. To, to wrap up the podcast with uh, some news and notes, defensive coordinator Brandon Staley has interviewed for a, a couple jobs this year. The The best thing the Rams can do, as some people have pointed out on Twitter, is keep winning because then you can't interview. And teams teams might just make decisions because they want to get they want to get these done. Do you think he's back here next year or do you think he takes a head coaching job? Not a chance. I, I don't think he's back next year. I, I, I'd i love for him to be back, but I think the writing's kind of on the wall, and uh, a team like the Jets would love to, to have him. It, it's disappointing because I think he did a solid job. Not not even a solid. I think he did a hell of a job, um, which is interesting because, you know, this is coming from, you know, uh, the a defense that had flaws – um, you know, coming from the legendary, you know, Wade Phillips, you know, it's not easy. Uh, all, all he did this year, and he made this into an elite defense, uh, or at least helped uh, make it into an elite defense. So uh, kudos to Brennan Staley, and um, I, I really hope he's back next year, but I think there's about a, like about a 10 to 15% chance he comes back. I, I feel like, it's more, I don't know what just happened to me, 50-50. Uh, 50, 50. <laughs> I, 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 he, one one year, I mean, to me, I'm not hiring, like, the Jets are interviewing him. If I'm the Jets, I'm watching the co- the tape of Adam Gase whooping his ass and not hiring him. <laughs> like, that's that's it for me if I'm the Jets. Uh, Chargers, I hey, wouldn't be a better hire. I, I don't think this guy would be a bad hire in general, um, but I think there are a lot or there's a decent amount of like offensive or even the coordinators that have kind of like been on the coaching bubble for a while this year. And I feel like those guys might, might get the nod before Staley. I mean, who knows? He, he might get it, but I, I feel like he's here for another year and then he's probably gone after that is what my gut tells me. But keep in mind that my gut is not an NFL GM. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but also keep in mind that uh, teams hired Zach fucking Taylor to be their head coach. Yeah, that that was the full McVay fever, though, and he's a defensive coordinator, so I feel like it's a little different, right? Yeah, they just wanted like a piece of Sean McVay with the offense. Yeah, that's that's true to an extent. Yeah, and, and I mean, hey, those hires have worked fifty percent of the time. From the Sean McVay coaching tree, <laughs> Matt Lafleur is killing it. That's, that that's true, but you have to say his name right. Did I say it wrong? How do you say it? You have to do the Stephen A. Smith route and say Lafleur. <laughs> Lafleur. Matt Lafleur. <laughs> uh, I think Stephen A. is kind of a joke at times, but sometimes he's entertaining as hell, and whatever he, he says. The floor. He's entertainment. He's don't don't go to Stephen A. Smith if you want like insights about the NFL. Go to him if you wanna like hear somebody make a ridiculous rant that's gonna be enjoyable. And maybe you'll get like a good point an episode. Um, it's that's how that's how I always <laughs> use those guys, and it makes them more enjoyable. That's true. He, he's definitely more entertaining than he is actually informative. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll see how Staley plays out. He's not gonna be able to interview until we get knocked out of the playoffs. So, um, not, nothing really there yet. Last thing and long overdue 
Torrey Holt, former wide receiver for the St. Louis Rams, has been named a Hall of Fame finalist. That means he is one of the 15 players uh, named name to be a finalist. I believe this is his first year as a finalist. If it's not, it's his second. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's his first. I think he was a semifinalist for the first time recently. He So basically what happens now is they narrow this list from 15 players to five players, right? Five players get into the Hall of Fame? Yes, something like that. Five so, or six. Yeah. So four players ha- are named first. First, that or they're they're on their first time on the ballot. They were selected as finalists: Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Jared Allen. Uh, I mean, Manning's a shoe in. There's no doubt. I I, yeah. I don't think Allen gets in this year. That would surprise me. No. Uh, well, I think Woodson probably gets in this year. We'll go. We'll go more in depth on this in an off-season pod because there's a lot to break down. But I mean, like the the biggest thing for us, like I guess for this that we could touch on briefly is three wide receivers are finalists: Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne, and Calvin Johnson. Uh, if you were to rank these three guys for who deserves to be in the Hall, how would you rank them? That's tough because. Who deserves to be in there could be different than who is more talented. Because if we're going based on talent alone, I think it's no question it's Calvin Johnson. Yeah. But who deserves it more, I'd have to say it's Torrey Holt. You know, not taking anything away from Reggie Wayne or anything, but Torrey Holt was, you know, one of the more consistent wide receivers uh, to ever play the game. You know, he was he was consecutively talented in many years. I I think he had like I want to say seven years of consecutive thousand yard seasons. Um, but if we're gonna talk about talent, that's where it comes down to. It depends on who the hall um, deems more worthy. The guy that was more talented or the guy that achieved more throughout his career. And let's face it, if Calvin Johnson actually finished his career like uh, in, with the same longevity of Torrey Holt, I think Calvin Johnson is the, is the clear winner here, but he didn't. So if, if I'm going to go based off career, I'd have to go Torrey Holt. Um, Reggie Wayne and Calvin Johnson. Yeah, it's. I think Wayne is definitely my third. It, it's tough though because they both like. So basically, like Holt has eight, it was eight straight years where he had over eleven hundred yards receiving, and six of those years he had over thirteen hundred yards, which is insane. Six straight thirteen hundred yard seasons. But at the same time, he his career is pretty similar to Calvin's in that Calvin had, I think he has, he has seven seasons over a thousand yards. Six of those came in a row. But he had three straight seasons of over. Sorry, I, I had to put my laptop in a weird spot. He had over fourteen or four one thousand four hundred and ninety yards in three straight seasons, which is like fucking bananas. He also has, I'm pretty sure, the single season yardage record, right? Uh yes. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like I don't know, it's tough. I, I think Calvin probably gets in first. And we'll debate later if he should on a later pod. But I probably would probably go Calvin, Torrey Hall, Reggie Wayne. But I think it's a good sign for Torrey Hall, and I think he does get in eventually. For sure, yeah. I, I don't. I, I think there's no doubt that all three of these guys will eventually get in. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, and we'll, we'll see if if any of them even make it. And maybe we'll do a mock ballot later in the offseason when we have no playoffs to talk about, but we had them today. So I think we wrap it up there. You got any final thoughts before our potential doomsday? Um, 
don't turn the fucking ball over. <laughs> the we'll end with this stat that I, I saw from Ramswire. The Rams are the first team since 2007 to turn the ball over in every single game and make the playoffs. Do you know who was the last team to do that, Johnny? If I'm not mistaken, it was the 2007 Giants. You are correct, and they won the Super Bowl. Yep. Here's hoping. (laughs) There it is. Ride the wolf. Uh, We'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter, at SuperBarrow, at Johnny596, and at TalkRams. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't, and we'll talk to you after the wildcard game. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.